Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. In this edition, we're celebrating spring by picking 15 of the best hikes near Salem with one of our favorite guests and guidebook authors. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David. So in this edition, we are focusing on a simple question. What are the best hikes in and around Salem? Because look, the weather has turned and we need to celebrate that fact. Last spring, the state was on lockdown. Wildfires hammered us in the fall and it was a pretty tough winter for a number of reasons. But today is a new day. The birds are chirping, the sun is shining, the flowers are blooming. So let's celebrate by not picking just a few, but a ton of awesome hikes that you can find right here in the capital city. To help us out, we're joined once again by guidebook author and prolific Oregon outdoors writer, Adam Sawyer. Adam, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, great intro. Great intro. So happy to have spring again. So happy it's a new year. Uh, so ready to get back out on the trails. So Adam, as luck would have it, you have a new book out. It's called Best Easy Day Hikes, Salem and Eugene. So tell us about the book and why did you choose Salem and Eugene? Well, uh, it, it's just a kind of a little pocket guide of just, you know, kind of easy day hikes that are kind of in and around uh, those areas, Salem and Eugene. And I think one of the reasons I picked it and, and the timing actually, you know, looking back worked out really well. Um, pandemic wise, if, if, if there's any kind of good timing associated with that, uh, because the Willamette Valley kind of that, you know, the area between Portland and Eugene, which, you know, Salem's right smack dab in the middle of it, it doesn't necessarily showcase super well from the highway. <laughs> and so, you know, while a lot of people are rushing out to the coast or into the gorge or up into the mountains, you know, there's a lot of really great stuff along the Willamette river. Uh, a lot of great stuff in the Cascade foothills and in the Coast Range foothills. And because of the fact that everyone's kind of running to those, you know, more um, headlining type hikes, there's a lot of really, really good, uh, lesser visited trails in the, the Salem area that really don't get their due, uh, both in city and out. And so this last year, you know, researching that book and 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 doing a lot of kind of Willamette Valley hikes, I discovered a lot of trails and a lot of types of trails. And we'll discuss this later too, with like the national wildlife refuges and reserves that uh, are wide and really kind of lend themselves to social distancing and responsible hiking. And so I think uh, Salem's a great spot for all of that. I would agree with that. Um, there's stuff that you don't expect to be very cool um, just because, you know, it's not that that far from the city or something like that. But then you get there and you're just like surrounded by a really lush, beautiful forest. And I think, you know, spring, like you were saying, it's it's a perfect time to talk about this because I think the Willamette Valley is at its best in, in early spring when you're getting that warmer temperatures, but you still got a lot of the lushness left over from the winter rains. Um, so, man, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, a lot of diversity, like you said, it's shockingly diverse, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm glad we're going to explore that in in all of these hikes. 
All right, so in this podcast, we are going to stay laser focused on the Salem area and we'll hit Eugene on a different podcast. I think they're both definitely cool enough to have their own showcase. But on the topic of Salem, you know, I don't think that the state capital is generally viewed as a great outdoors town. Oregon's other big cities, you know, Portland, Eugene, and Bend in particular, they're frequently mentioned as outdoor recreation towns. They'll show up in like the best places to travel in Sunset Magazine or something. Salem, not so much. But so before we jump into the best kind of hikes nearby, let's make the case for Salem because I always thought it's kind of an underrated outdoors town. So what do you think, David? You've lived here probably the longest. Um, what do you, I mean, what does Salem bring to the table like outdoors wise? Okay. Well, this is interesting. There's a few points to kind of consider here. So you have Eugene, Bend, maybe even Grants Pass that have these huge outdoor destinations sort of right out their back door. The kind of destinations that get big write-ups in Outside Magazine or travel guides. But here in Salem, you know, I feel like a lot of our best outdoor spaces still kind of fly under the radar. You know, the town is sort of more known for being 60 minutes from everywhere. Sort of the backhanded compliment that, well, you can get to some great places in 60 minutes, but there's not much to speak of in town. And I'd argue that's really changing. You know, there's a number of outdoor groups now that have come together to sort of be the change they want to see. As we'll discuss today, volunteers for the Salem Area Trail Alliance are to thank for a few of our choices. And I think that's kind of a good example of the outdoors town that Salem is on its way to becoming. What was your vibe, Adam, when you were when you were researching this area? Um, I mean, what, what did you find? Well, it, it kind of to, just to piggyback on, off of uh, what, what David was saying, you know, places like Minto Brown Island Park, you know, it that's one that everyone knows, you know, it's right on the waterfront, it's in town, but there are aspects to it that, that get overlooked. I mean, it's it's 1,200 acres of lush, open, wooded areas. Uh, it, it's larger than Central Park in, in New York City. And, you know, sure, there's a lot of paved trails and there's the, the off-leash dog park, there's a playground, there's, you know, tons of that family-centric, family-oriented things that everyone knows about. But there's a whole side of that park that's unpaved trails and just kind of explores the sloughs. And there's there's places to really not not get lost per se, but like get away from people and have kind of a wilderness experience right in town. And there are pocket trails all around town that, that have that same kind of feel. And that's one of my favorite things uh, about the outdoor scene in Salem. Well, today we are not just going to talk about the fact that Salem is becoming a cooler outdoor town. And I definitely think it has, even in my time just being here, which is about eight years at this point, I've seen it get better and better. Like there's there's two outdoor shops. When I got here, there was zero. Um, so, you know, there's more outfitters uh, like renting stand-up paddle boards on the Willamette. There's just more things happening. It's happening kind of slowly and piecemeal, but it is happening. Um, but instead of talking about that, I think we're going to prove it with this podcast. So we are going to highlight 15 of our favorite hikes within an hour's drive of town. So that's going to take us to wildlife refuges, waterfalls, uh, lush forests, some famous historic sites. But we do have to start off by acknowledging, as we've done a few times in other podcasts, that some of the most famous places near Salem uh, were closed by wildfire damage and will be closed for a little while. So Shelburg Falls, the Opal Creek area, the Little North Sanium Canyon in particular, those areas, they're going to come back, but they're going to be closed at least for this summer and probably for a year or two beyond. And that's a that's a huge blow because that is some of the, the big name brand areas for, for Salem. So they're not there. But 
look, I mean, it's an opportunity to get to other places. So if you've just gone to Opal Creek, you know, every hot weekend, you know, we are going to highlight some other cool places to go that you might not know about. It's a good chance to kind of spread your wings. So Adam, you are the guest as we get started on uh, picking our 15 favorite hikes in the Salem area. So what are you going to start us off with? Well, I'm going to go back to the Minto Brown Island Park and just kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think I mentioned it uh, at, the, at the top of the show, but there's 29 miles of paved and unpaved trail there uh, and just countless loops you can make. And one of my favorite loops there uh, is the Purple Rabbit Loop. And if you ever go online or look at, you know, the, they've got excellent signage and maps on there. And I think the, uh, the Purple Rabbit Loop is... Uh, like 3.2 miles of the mostly unpaved stuff that really kind of starts right there in the heart of of the park and kind of starts making its way out into the, the corners of it. And I really like it because I think the three times that I've done that that loop in the last, I don't know, two, three years, uh, I've been the only person at certain stretches of it and prolonged stretches at that. And this is, you know, not not middle of the winter at 6 a.m. kind of hiking. This is just, you know, standard kind of weekend uh, hiking around and, and park exploration. And so to have 29 miles and endless loop options that you can do, uh, you know, my personal favorite happens to be that Purple Rabbit Loop just because it is mostly unpaved and really gets into some of the corners of, of the area and some slew explorations. But Man, just the fact that you there are 29 miles right there in city, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, that you you could you could go there, I don't know, every day for for five years and and do a different hike every time. Yeah, um, I you know for my pick, I'm going to stay in that area, but I got to tell a fun story about Minto Brown. Um, since becoming the outdoor writer here at the Statesman Journal, I've done just about everything you can do at Minto Brown. So. About five years ago, it, we got a nice snow, so I took my skis and actually skied the trails in nice. Angel Brown. You know, I've obviously hiked there and biked there, but also one of my favorite things to do is when the Willamette gets really high, it floods the park, and so I've taken my kayak through there. So no I way. think I've set a record for the different ways to experience <laughs> a park by kayaking it, skiing it, and then hiking and biking it. So that's four ways you can enjoy it. But I'm going to bounce off your pick here. And so the pick that I'm actually going to do combines Minto and Riverfront Park via the newly created Peter Courtney Minto Island Bridge. It's hard to overstate what a big deal this was for Salem when this really elegant bridge was completed in 2017. It kind of completed this dream of linking the city's three best downtown parks together. So that's Minto, Riverfront, and Wallace Marine Parks. And it's a beautiful bridge, and it opens up my favorite in-city route. Now, admittedly, I often bike this with my kids, but it's a great hike too. So what we do is we start at Riverfront Park which has an awesome playground and uh, has the famous carousel. And then we cross over that bridge into, into Minto and travel about a mile to yet another playground. Um, and then we loop back along the Willamette River. And all total, that's about a four or five mile trip. But it's beautiful. You've got, you know, uh, stretches along the Willamette River. You've got stretches in really deep forest. You've got the bridge and you've got playgrounds. So you bring that all together. And look, it's, it's a great experience. You will find plenty of people out there, you know, running, biking and jogging. But that's the whole idea. 
you know, I love seeing, you know, a lot of people make use of this really cool thing for Salem. So that's my first pick. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the way that the bridge has opened up Minto Brown for more folks, sort of including walk-in access and those who use public transportation. Previously, the park has only really been accessible by, you know, braving that stretch of River Road South, which is, you know, not the most pedestrian-friendly area, and there's really no bus routes nearby. But now you can take the bus downtown, head over the bridge, and be in the heart of Minto Brown pretty easily. So anyway, this takes me to my first pick. I'll be sticking close to town for something of a local's favorite, maybe. A bit off the beaten path, but a great option for a quick escape. Joryville is a county park just south of Salem, technically within a stone's throw of city limits. You start at a trailhead and climb up through a forested loop that's a little under two miles. While you're there, you'll notice actually the deep red volcanic clay soil that the area is known for, which is incidentally the official state soil. There's some picnic sites, a stream, and some great views of the surrounding hills and spots. Usually you'll encounter maybe a few other people, but they're there for the same reason you are, a quiet break without a long drive out of town. Cool. All right, Adam. So what are you, uh, what is your second pick? Uh, I'm going, I'm, I'm staying in town. I'm doing the, the Croissant and the Skyline trails. And these, Zach, I think you actually may have turned me on to these uh, when I was doing research for this book. Uh, just a, a pair of pocket trails uh, that were just kind of user paths, I think, for a long time uh, in the, the Red Clay Hills area of town. And I think it was uh, the Salem Area Trail Alliance folks that really kind of took to it and, and adopted those trails and made them uh, officially maintained trails with trailheads and, and, and the like. And what I really like about it is you can combine both. You know, you can do a it's like a 1.3 mile loop. If you if you do just the skyline kind of uh, perimeter, it's uh, 1.4 mile out and back, I think, if you're doing the, the Croissant Creek. But if you combine them and just kind of take a little leisurely stroll through the neighborhood, uh, you get like a 3.4 mile total kind of out and back semi loop. Uh, something worth noting uh, or something I'd want to note uh, for anybody who does these sorts of neighborhood or pocket trails, um, be a good neighbor. And, you know, there's always like a lot of on street parking available as a general rule. But you know, try and make sure you're not taking up someone's spot or, or um, limiting their access in and out of a driveway or something. And, you know, obviously don't, don't be super noisy walking, walking by someone's house or in someone's neighborhood. But uh, those, those trails are really diverse. Uh, there's some really good forest, much more mature forest than you would think, uh, just hiding right behind a, a high school and in a neighborhood. And uh, I think that's really one of the best in in city hikes that gives you kind of a, a lush, forested, almost wilderness experience in, in some points. Yeah, and that's down in, in South Salem. I, I remember writing about that place. It was kind of one of those spots where there was just this this forest and, you know, a couple of volunteers got together and were like, you know, we kind of want to know what's in there. And so they just started turning those user paths into official trails and it's become much more established. And I don't know, David, do you, I mean, is there, do you have a good feel for how many people know about those trails and use them in town or Adam? I mean, did you see many people when you were out hiking them? I saw no one, uh, uh the couple days that I went. Yeah, I think, you know, for a long time, they were just sort of unofficial, you know, word of mouth trails. And then when uh, the Salem Area Trail Alliance came along and really kind of developed into its own little mini system of trails, yeah. I think now you're starting to see some more folks. But again, they're they're still not super well known. 
All right. Well, uh, we're going to move from from in town, uh, out of town just a little bit with my second pick. And, you know, my second pick is going to be the most obvious one, you know, the the Michael Jordan or LeBron James of Salem area hikes. And that, of course, is Silver Falls State Park. Now, we've devoted at least two full podcasts to Oregon's largest state park, which is about a 40 minute drive from Salem. So I'm not going to go into crazy depth. Uh, here, if you want to listen to some of our old podcasts, we break it down very deliberately. I will just say, if you want to go, I would visit kind of soon. Um, Silver Falls is amazing in spring, and then it gets a little bit more crowded and a little, you know, less lush as you get deeper into into summer. So, in that spirit, my favorite hike out there, if you actually want to get out there in the spring, starts away from some of the most crowded areas, and that is at Winter Falls Trailhead. And from here, you can get five awesome waterfalls in just 2.6 miles out and back. And it includes two of my favorites, so Middle North Falls and Double Falls that you reach on this loop. It's kind of right in the middle of the main um, trail of 10 falls. It's just a fun alternative option. Although, you know, if you want to do the entire thing, obviously you should do that. Um, I'd also encourage folks to check out the park's remote backcountry. Uh, There's beautiful giant trees, a real rainforest feel on some of those backcountry trails and some good paved hiking and biking routes as well. So visit Silver Falls, but I would go in spring and ideally midweek for the best experience. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to add, it really pays to go, you know, in winter and spring around when we're sort of getting some heavy rain at the time, because then you just get a completely different experience you know, when they're just sort of booming along. I'm with you, David. And if you if you check the website or even call them, you know, winter is a great time to go visit there, as, assuming that the roads are, are passable. And, you know, they'll, sometimes they'll close some of the, the, the trails due to ice or, or, or hazards like that. But uh, hiking around there in winter, it might be one of the most beautiful Oregon experiences I've had. And luckily the website and uh, the office out there is really helpful at letting you know just how accessible things are. All right, David. So where are you going to take us with your second pick? Okay. For my second pick, I'm going to go with a big name that maybe gets overlooked for more serious hikes, Shampooey State Park. Now in contrast to areas on the East Coast, Oregon isn't necessarily known for an abundance of historical landmarks, but Shampooey is kind of a notable exception. It's one of the larger state parks in the valley, located along the banks of the Willamette River, about 30 miles north of Salem. Shampooey has both trails for hiking or biking, as well as plenty of opportunity for learning about early settlement of Europeans in the Willamette Valley. The origins of Oregon's provisional government can actually be traced back to meetings of settlers at the site in the 1800s. The trails are nothing strenuous, there's little elevation gain along the river, but there's nice wide mellow paths, great for families and those looking for, you know, simple one to four mile hikes among the meadows and along the river. There's also a fun five mile out and back hike or bike ride to what's billed as, let me make sure I get this right, the oldest continuously operating retail establishment in Oregon at Butteville. That's a cool little store. Like, that's a fun place to, you can start on one side of Shampooey and either hike or bike all the way through really 
pretty forest and then make your way to Butteville store, get ice cream and then head back. And I've done that with my kids a few times. That's a really fun experience. Butteville store is a fun place, an old school pioneer vibe to it. Yeah. I'm not sure what their operating status is now, but hopefully, you know, now that things are opening back up, they'll be open come spring and summer. Uh, so Adam, you have, we have reached your third pick. So where are you taking us with your third hike? Well, I think I'm finally getting out of town. <laughs> I'm heading out to the uh, McDonald uh, uh, Old Growth, New Growth Forest Loop. Um, so I think you, I, I'm sure you've covered this in, in great detail, just kind of uh, how magnificent uh, the, that forest area is and what the OSU College of Forestry does in terms of you know, teaching and research and the ultimate goals of finding new ways to sustainably manage and grow Oregon forests. And I think nothing showcases that better in my mind than that uh, new growth, old growth loop. I, I turn it into a two mile semi loop uh, that, that really gives you kind of, uh, it, it allows you to visit all the old growth they have there and then kind of uh, head back out the way you came in one of those like lollipop loop style or, or magna, magnifying glass loops. It starts at the Lewisburg Saddle Trail area. And so you've got a couple of different hiking options there in case you wanted to turn it into a, a major outing. Uh, but as you know, kind of the, the one of the coveted brass rings of hiking in Oregon is old growth forest. And, you know, as, as the years have gone on, it's increasingly difficult to find parcels of old growth, especially right within the Willamette Valley or within it that are easily accessible. And so this one gives you the opportunity to not only walk through what I consider to be some of the most stunningly good, uh, accessible old growth uh, to Salem, um, especially now with with the Opal Creek area being, you know, kind of off limits for a while. But it, it, the, the new growth is, is hauntingly beautiful in its own way. And there's some interpretive signage and some things that kind of let you know what they were trying to do. Uh, and the things that they're trying to understand about Doug Fir Forests. And so it, it's a great way to see kind of a development of a forest and also the research. And then also you get stunning old growth. Yeah, the McDonald uh, Research Forest is is definitely a gem. And I've always thought that the experience of walking through there is like being in a Petri dish for forest management because you will come, you know, within like a half mile, you're, you'll go from very different forest types, um, you know, old growth to like, you know, really thin new growth to, you know, stuff that grows like in Arizona. Um, they, they, they pack all that into like one little area. Um, you know, I haven't actually visited the area that you're talking about. My favorite area out there is the PV Arboretum area. Mm. Um, and I think my favorite hike is at, gosh, it's the section 36, uh, loop with the, the powder house trail put on there. And that's a, that's a pretty w well-known one too, but there's a ton of stuff in, in Mac forest. Um, you could just like Minto Brown, you could spend, you know, years exploring that area and not see everything. Another footnote there. I mean, they also have a pretty extensive uh, mountain bike trail system and, and horse trail system. So there's just, you know, a ton of options. One of my favorites um, was starting in Chip Ross. And then you sort of can wind into Mac Forest for just like a different approach. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with the rest of our countdown. I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. 
I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org. All right, so my third pick is definitely one of the places that I hike most frequently, and that is the rail trail at Ankeny National Wildlife Refuge. It's about a 25-minute drive uh, south of Salem and really beautiful and dense forest at this wildlife refuge. This is another one I highly recommend hitting in the early spring because one of the things that makes it so cool is that it follows like the longest boardwalk trail that I think I've ever seen. Like you start out at kind of a, a normal forested area and then you turn onto this super long boardwalk that takes you out over a marsh that is just, you know, teeming with birds and bugs and flowers and it's it's a really enchanted buzzing place especially in the spring fantastic hike with kids that's going to be a common theme among just about all of my picks and the best part is that you know you follow this boardwalk through this really cool forest and then you reach what is essentially like a little wooden castle where it's it's officially a blind for looking at birds, um, for bird watchers looking out at Wood Duck Pond, but it feels like a little castle uh, to kids. And so you walk in and there's like little slots where you can look through, look out onto Wood Duck Pond and you'll often see egrets or my favorite bird, the great blue heron, just kind of swooping and diving there. Um, you can turn around right then and it's a really short, um, you know, 1.5 mile hike, or you can keep going and turn it into a loop uh, that can be anywhere up to like four miles if you combine a bunch of different things. I feel like Ankeny is one of the wildlife refuges that isn't as well known, but it's the closest to my house. And this is just a really sweet place. So one more time, that's Rail Trail at the Ankeny National Wildlife Refuge. That's a great one. I, I actually visited that for the first time last year. And there was a, a mother, I think it's either a sparrow or a swallow i always get my my s birds confused but but doing like feeding baby birds in that castle that little uh bird blind you were talking about it was fantastic so sat there for like five minutes taking pictures yeah it's really cool you just like feel especially on that boardwalk like surrounded by kind of nature like it, it really is like a little tunnel through oh, through that patch it. of forest so it's pretty cool Pretty cool spot. Um, all right, so number three, David, where are you bringing us with your number three pick? For my third pick, I'll keep the ball rolling with another wildlife refuge, the second of three in the mid Willamette Valley. Basket Slough Wildlife Refuge is usually one of those places you notice while zipping along Highway 22 to the coast, but there's actually a few nice hiking options there. The first is a loop trail open year round that was actually named after a former caretaker of the refuge. This is kind of a tragic side note, but Rich Guadano was a passenger on United Airlines Flight 93, the hijacked plane that crashed in rural Pennsylvania on September 11, 2001. He was refuge manager at Basket Slough from 92 to 2000, and is known for a lot of the habitat restoration efforts that got it to where it is today. We have a story in his legacy at statesmanjournal.com, but the Rich Guadano Memorial Loop is about a mile long and takes you to the top of Basket Butte for a walk along some of the big Oregon white oaks before dropping back down into an open meadow. You can actually finish with a short walk out to a little platform that provides a great view out across the refuge. It's a perfect spot for bird watching or wildlife spotting. 
Now, your options open up from spring to early fall. There are a couple trails that actually open on the northern half of the refuge from April 1st to September 30th. The Morgan Lake Trail and Mofiti Marsh Trail are both around three miles and sort of circle bodies of water and open meadows. You can easily connect the loops a few different ways to make a longer day out of it. Officials say peak wildflower season is around the first week in May, so plan to head out then and take in some nice rolling fields of color. So Adam, you are picking us up with your your fourth pick right here. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm jumping on the uh, National Wildlife Refuge train. I'm going down to the uh, William L. Finley uh, NWR. I know we talked about this in, in the beginning about just, you know, my discovery, um, my personal discovery of how great the National Wildlife Refuges are as places at, for hikers, as a hiking destination. And this one highlights that that perfectly because you know, most of the folks go out here for birding or for wildlife observation. Uh, but one of the great aspects about uh, the William L. Finley National Wildlife Reserve is it's one of the last, or you can stroll through one of the last remaining intact wet prairies in the Willamette Valley. Uh, you also have um, riparian habitats, wetlands, uh, Oregon white oak savannas, mixed deciduous forests, all in this, this one area. Uh, Native tribes have a, a vast history here. In addition to some more current history, the 1855 Fletcher House claims to be the oldest building in Benton County. Uh, there is uh, joining you, Zach, with the with the uh, the boardwalk. Uh, this is another one. It's like a half mile or 0.4 mile boardwalk. The Homer Campbell Memorial Trail goes out into this wetland. It ends at a bird blind. It's like an achingly short uh, 0.4 miles. So you can get that done in less than a mile, uh, continue around uh, the other side of the refuge. And there's a, another loop trail that I adore called the Woodpecker Loop Trail. Uh, begins at a trailhead kiosk, interpretive signage, and it takes you up through uh, an oak uh, savannah and then dips you down into mature dug fir maples and then you also have and that's open year round as you know some of the national wildlife refuge stuff is you know uh seasonal uh based on on who's breeding and, and where and when but this is open year round and you can tie it into um the mill hill loop trail and you turn it into a 4.7 miles worth of hiking and again because most folks are out there birding or checking out the bird blinds uh, you've got, I think I saw two people there and they were at bird blinds uh, for my the entire day I spent out there. It's just a really, really great spot. And it's, it's kind of off the beaten path because it is uh, one of those refuges that's kind of in between uh, Salem and, and Eugene. So it's, it's a little further afield, but uh, highly recommend it for anyone. So it's funny that I think we've hit all of the uh, the Willamette Valley uh, wildlife refuges or the main ones that people go hiking to. So there's Basket Slough, Ankeny, and Finley are kind of the, the main ones. One of the first stories that I ever wrote and reported that went viral was about recreation at these wildlife refuges. And if you go there, you might see why. Basically, you know, it was, I think it was back in 2014 or something, the wildlife refuges put up signs that said no jogging. And that's just kind of an odd thing to see. Like a lot of people like trail running and stuff like that. And so people were like, what's going on? What do you mean? No jogging? Like, is there a speed limit on the trails? And so I 
you know, I called a biologist and started reporting out this story. And basically what they told me was that like joggers like can stress out the the birds that are, that are there. It can stress out the wildlife. And, you know, they were they were they were honest about it and stuff like that. They're like, look, this is these areas are not for humans. Um, they're for birds. And, you know, humans can come and stuff, but they, they need to chill out and not bring their dogs and not and not run. This story got picked up by like NPR and kind of went crazy all over the place because people are kind of having jokes about, you know, joggers stressing out birds. And it sounded kind of funny, but, you know, that's that's kind of the mission of these places is to protect birds and actually take them off farmland. It's not necessarily for humans. And again, no jogging. That makes sense. Um, all right. So for my fourth pick, um, I'm going to go with a place that I probably hike more than any other the past few years. Uh, that's because it's so great with for kids, again, staying on that theme. And that is McDowell Creek Falls County Park. So it's located uh, north of Sweet Home and just east of Albany. And we're talking about maybe an hour's drive from Salem. So kind of right on the on the cusp of how far you want to go from the capital. Um, anyway, what makes McDowell Creek Falls so cool is it's basically a miniature version of Silver Falls with less people, less rules, but the waterfalls are almost as good. The loop trail here is just two miles total, uh, but it's a loop that passes three waterfalls and includes one really cool boardwalk uh, that goes right below the second largest waterfall. What's funny is that I like, I read about this place occasionally and there's like a million photographers and writers who've discovered this place and they always label it as like a hidden gem or undiscovered so you have like a million like headlines that are like undiscovered mcdowell creek falls which begs the question is it actually undiscovered but the reality is like you can go here on a weekend and there's still not that many people so whether it's undiscovered or not (laughs) up for debate but um it's definitely not super crowded the other thing that i really like about this area is that it's just more chill like silver falls is a very popular super crowded place. So there's just more rules. But here, because there's less people, like you can bring your dog on the trail, which, you know, which is nice. I like to bring our dog with us. Um, you can also in the summer, you can like go off trail and swim and splash around below the waterfalls, like in, in pools and stuff, which is something you're typically not allowed to do at Silver Falls. So, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. There's a little more freedom. Uh, my final thing that I like about this place is they are just better at naming their waterfalls than Silver Falls. So the three waterfalls are called Royal Terrace Falls and Majestic Falls and Crystal Pool. And that is just so much better than like South Falls, North Falls, Middle North Falls and Silver (laughs) Falls. So very much worth a visit to this, you know, undiscovered but completely discovered spot if for nothing else than the poetic license of the waterfall names. That's awesome. Um, let's see, David, you are on your fourth pick. So where are you bringing us with your fourth pick? So my next pick is actually sort of a package deal. A couple of destinations out in Kings Valley located in the foothills of the coast range, Southwest of Salem, because of its geography, Kings Valley is frequently kind of shrouded in the mist and fog that you associate with sort of the coast. So I, I love it. It's kind of a unique place. I'll start in Bezel Memorial Forest. It's about 20 miles South of Dallas on highway 223. It's a 500-acre plot that was donated to Benton County as kind of a self-sustaining working forest and day-use area. A little bit of history here. There's actually home to the Plunkett House, one of the older homes in Kings Valley. And then there's a restored barn that I believe they're using as kind of an education center in non-COVID times. So the hike can actually range between a short mile loop 
or a longer, just under five mile hike that gains about 800 feet in elevation as you sort of start along Plunkett Creek before ascending some switchbacks to a meadow up top. Once you're at the meadow, you're treated to views out across Kings Valley. Actually, you can see Mary's Peak before descending back down an old road to the trailhead. So once you've worked up an appetite there, bring your lunch on over to Fort Hoskins County Park about three miles away. The site operated as an outpost that monitored the coastal Indian reservation in the mid-1800s. There's some interpretive signs kind of dotting the park that tell the history. When you arrive, you have a choice. There's the first loop. It's kind of an easy stroll you can take along the lower trail, which winds around a meadow that was once used as the parade grounds, and then past the restored commander's house, as well as a home built by settlers after the fort was sold off. The second loop climbs up the Dunn Ridge, a gain of about 300 feet in elevation for views out over the Luckamute River Valley. In total, both loops are under two miles. So taken together, it's really a great way to kind of to see Kings Valley, especially for folks who maybe haven't traveled through there before. Yeah, Kings Valley in that area is is very cool. Um, Fort Hoskins was one of my favorite places to bring my dog because there's hardly ever anybody there, especially like in the off season. And uh, that hike that goes up the ridge is a really good one. Bezel is a fun place too. One of my favorite little tidbits about that park is that there's a plaque there where it details Fred Bezel donated this land to honor his late wife, uh, Dolores, um, stating that he intended for the memorial park to honor his wife by providing a beautiful public place that bears the family name. Um, And so there's kind of like a fun little family backstory there, but two very cool places. All right. What is your last pick, Adam? Uh, I'm going Cascadia State Park. And um, this, this one almost kind of parallels uh, Zach with the, uh, the undiscovered gem or the, the uh, below the recreational radar gem that that is McDowell Creek Uh, because lower soda falls, I think, might be one of the more underappreciated waterfalls in Oregon, um, especially when you have things like Silver Falls State Park and some of those other things. It's easy to overlook something like Lower Soda Falls, but it's a 1.4 mile out and back. Uh, the state park has crazy history. Uh, I think for roughly 8,000 years, Native American tribes called the area home. Uh, the Cascadia Cave provided shelter. And I do believe that there are still uh, twice a year, there there are ranger-led um, tours of the cave and the petroglyphs that, that, that are there. A spectacular, spectacular spot. Uh, as a state park, I think there's now, uh, Zach, you could probably confirm this, there is a second trail uh, that they they recently constructed now a newer trail that ushers you through like a historic dug fir trees along the South Saniam River. Uh, you can see ruts from the historic Saniam wagon road are visible in certain parts of the park. Now that I haven't confirmed, I've only read that, but have you visited that at all, Zach? Yeah, go out there quite frequently. It's one of those places, I live uh, sort of southeast of Salem. And so that, that area is right in, in my wheelhouse. And I haven't actually seen the ruts either. I've I've heard about them. It would make sense. I mean, the the historic wagon trail went right through there, so I, I believe it. But uh, I haven't I haven't seen it personally. That is a cool place to hike, though. It it takes you down through the forest along the South Sanium River, which is a really really gorgeous stream. And 
Man, I couldn't. That, that's a great pick. I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous because Cascadia, you just go there in the off season, especially before it's even a campground. It does become a campground in the summer, and it's yeah. good for swimming holes. But in the off season, man, there is nobody there. You have the place to yourself. I just let the kids run run crazy, and you can go down to the river. You can go to Soda Creek Falls. Like there's there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Well, let's do a let's do a scouting mission and uh, get. We can all go down there together and try and find those ruts. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious about that. And how do you identify, like, if they're, like, from the wagon train, like, as opposed to, like, some tractor that, like, drove through there? Right. Okay. <laughs> These are clearly historic ruts. All right. My final pick is Willamette Mission State Park. And not only that, but also the Willamette Greenways of West Salem. So this is a little bit of a deep cut, but also not really because, you know, Willamette Mission State Park is pretty well known. It uh, The park commemorates one of the first white settlements in the West. It was first established in 1834 as a Methodist mission by Jason Lee and was kind of a precursor to what became the city of Salem. Obviously, a ton of history here, just like Shampooey. The park itself offers pleasant mix of forest and kind of old farms along the Willamette River. So there's a there's a nice paved hiking and biking path traveling past Oxbow Lakes and the state's largest black cottonwood tree. You can extend it into a pretty long loop if you want to, or you can keep it pretty short for just a couple miles. But the state park isn't the only cool thing to check out in this area. So uh, the state park is right next to Wheatland Ferry, where you can pay $3 and get your car taken across the Willamette River, which is pretty fun. On the other side, there are two greenways that I like a lot. So these are just kind of random patches of forest that are uh, sort of relics from the Tom McCall plan of the 1970s to preserve forest along the Willamette River to improve uh, the river's health. Anyway, so two of my favorites of these greenways are Darrow Access and Spring Valley. And you're going to find them just by driving along Wallace Road, the main road along the Willamette uh, outside, just north of West Salem. So both are very nice, short little trails that tra- travel through really pretty forests. They have access to the water in some cases. I used to go to Darrow Access almost every day, like on really hot summer days when I lived in West Salem. Just go for a really beautiful shaded hike. And then there was a, a spot, like a little beach where you could go down and swim in the Willamette on hot days. So it was pretty great. Um, I, I really have a soft spot for Willamette Mission. Uh, my first f- story for the Statesman Journal was about Willamette Mission. I have no idea what I wrote about it at this point because it was <laughs> so long ago. But I really I, I like this area. There's Maud Williamson State Park is right over there, too. So you got kind of Willamette Mission, Maud Williams, and then these little greenways. And you can have a pretty good day um, just between those and then connecting them on the ferry is, is always fun. So that is my fifth and final pick. Nice little dis- disc golf park there too, or disc golf course. All right, David. So bring us home. What is your fifth and final pick in this breakdown of 15 hikes i'm starting to lose track of them here uh in the salem area (laughs) all right so my last pick is again a little off the beaten path but can usually provide a pretty quiet experience lucky meat landing is actually two parcels owned by the state that are tucked along the west side of the willamette river between albany and independence the south parcel has a short half mile hike that ends at a pond with a significant population of western pond turtles kind of a cool thing but the more interesting option is on the north end which offers a four-mile hike that gets you out close to where both the Luckamute and the St. Rivers empty into the Willamette. 
The trail winds around through an open meadow and then drops you into kind of a deciduous forest with some large cottonwoods, maples, and offers some occasional views of the Willamette before you finally hit the turnaround spot right on the river. According to folks that know the area, there are places where kind of the trained eye can see previous river channels once carved out by the Willamette. And this is another area where volunteers have really provided the grunt behind making things happen. The Luckamute Watershed Council spearheads those efforts here. And again, every time I've been out there, I've seen maybe one other person. So this is one of those, if you hit up midweek, you'll definitely probably be all alone. Yeah, I like Lucky Mute Landing. It's outside of Independence, and there's not a there's not a ton of like hikes on that side of the valley, but it's it's a really pretty good one. And I like the the way that the hike goes out through that forest. And then eventually makes it out to what is um, a campground for people that are floating along the Willamette River. Um, but that's it's a cool spot where you can kind of hang out, splash around in the Willamette, skip rocks. And so there's like a payoff for making the hike all the way out there. You can hang out there and have a lunch or something and then and then come back. Cool. Well, that that is that is 15 hikes. That is a lot of, of hikes here in the Salem area. That is quite the rundown. <laughs> that was that was quite a rundown. So I'm going to I'm going to take us out here with like some some deep, deep cuts. Bush Park, kind of the most famous uh, urban park, like right in the middle of, of Salem. Great place. You can just hike the hike the perimeter. Uh, state Capitol State Park. Now, when there's not uh people protesting and fighting and stuff there it's a very pleasant area to go and (laughs) hike around among the the cherry blossoms and you can hike among heritage trees all with the the gold man standing right above you so that's right at the state capitol kaiser rapids uh park is super cool um on the north side of town um nice trails through there one of my favorites is called the autobahn nature reserve this super random little trail that is you know, shoehorned into West Salem in a pretty urban area. So there's apartments below it. There's a Safeway right there, a bunch of housing. And then just, you know, slammed in there is this little patch of forest called the Autobahn Nature Reserve. I used to go there all the time because I used to live just within walking distance. And there's beautiful wildflowers there, especially this time of year. And uh, the last one is E.E. Wilson. So those are that's my list of deep cuts. Uh, that's, that's one, two, three, four, five. So that brings us up to 20 wow. hikes total. Um, so if you can't find something from this podcast worth doing, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> well done. Yeah, Adam. Hey, this 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 was a wild ride to, to cover all these uh, known and unknown trails uh, here in the Salem area. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys again for having me. It's always awesome to be on with you guys and talk shop about our favorite trails and things to do outside in the Willamette Valley, Salem area. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, the new guidebook is Best Easy Day Hikes, Salem and Eugene, and that is available today. Uh, Anywhere you you, uh, source your books, hopefully your local bookseller, um, or get it online. Uh, And Thank you guys for having me on and talking about uh, hiking around Salem. All right, that wraps up this sprawling episode of the Explore Oregon podcast. We hope this has given you a few more ideas for destinations around Salem and planted the seed for some new favorites. If you like what you heard, you can find our previous episodes at statesmanjournal.com explore. You can also subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for the environment, for our economy, and for our future. 
Learn more at amforest.org.